Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. What is wisdom? When we think about that from a general sense, the Bible helps to give us some answers. And as we study Proverbs and see wisdom as it's used throughout the Bible, we can see that when the Bible talks about wisdom, in a sense, it's talking about the skill of living life and really uh, the skill of living life in a way that honors and pleases God and reflects his will for us. So wisdom is the skill of living. That's more of an academic fact that we learn from Bible study. Where the question, what is wisdom, gets a lot more difficult is when we start to apply it to specific situations in our lives. Where there is some dilemma, some difficulty, some hard decision in front of us, and we have to ask ourselves, what is wisdom right here? What is wisdom in this situation? Uh, What is the best thing for me to do? And that's where that question, what is wisdom, gets a lot harder. And that's the question that we want to think about today, and we're going to get a lot of help from, especially as we look to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And here it talks about wisdom, and it makes a differentiation between a wisdom that comes from above and really a worldly wisdom. And that should matter to you if you are a Christian Right? Even as we think about the skill of living life, right? there is a worldly sense uh, that they can think about wisdom, a way that you're just good and that leads to success or money or fame or however they might define it. But we're defining really that skillful living of life, a skillful according to whose definition? Well, really to God's. We want to live in a way that honors and pleases him and reflects him the best. That's the kind of wisdom that we want. And so as we consider specific situations in our lives and we want to know what is best, what is wisdom in this situation, we're going to have to guard our own hearts and really say, well, is this really godly wisdom or is this just worldly wisdom? And this passage is going to help us out to know which is which. So let me read this passage for us. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so there we see this contrast between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And I want to just list off now, uh, apart from just reading the text, some of the descriptors, this worldly wisdom, that the, the words that come along with that are things like bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, Disorder, every vile practice. The words that are associated with 
The good, godly wisdom are things like meekness, pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. And so as you think about those words, maybe even if you are thinking through something in your own life, might it even be good to list those words out in two different columns. List all the words out describing um, godly wisdom, and then list all the words out really describing the worldly wisdom, the things like bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And think through the situation in your life. Think through the options that are in front of you and pray through these things and think through, okay, what are the ways I might be tempted in this situation towards bitter jealousy or selfish ambition and realize, okay, I need to be clear that that is not wisdom and I need to stay away from any choices that will lead me to that. Um, Also, we need to think through what's pure and even just thinking through that, what is pure, we need to realize that sin is never wisdom. And so if we're, we're thinking of a sinful response in any situation, we can be clear that is not godly wisdom, or if we are engaging in that kind of response, it will not help us see what godly wisdom really is. And another thing is some of this wisdom really seems to relate to interpersonal things. It's not just stuff within us. I mean, consider the worldly wisdom being described by selfish ambition and the godly wisdom being described as things like peaceable, gentle, full of mercy, and good fruits. A lot of these words really are horizontal words having implication for our relationships with other people. And that's where we need to ask, okay, is what I'm thinking about really all about me, or am I seeking to show love towards others as I make this decision? And I think that will help us um, As we consider in certain situations in our lives, not only what we should do, um, but how we should do it. And both of those are parts of wisdom, where where sometimes you might make a decision that is really the, the right decision, the best decision, but you might go about then carrying out that decision in a way that does not reflect wisdom. And and God wants us clearly to to do both in ways that honor him, not only decide the right thing, but go about it in a way uh, that that honors him. And so that's a good thing. Hey, even if we arrive at a good decision, we want to make sure we do it in a way that is open to reason, that's uh, gentle, patient, pure, peaceable, all of these things. We want to describe our, uh, our thinking. So Whatever you're thinking in life today, whatever the situation that's maybe keeping you up at night or, uh, you know, that you're just keep mulling around in your mind and you're genuinely seeking God, saying, God, what is wisdom? Show me. And one thing we should remind ourselves of chapter one, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask because God gives generously. So we need to pray. But one of the ways God is going to give us wisdom is through his word. And he has told us to search his word to seek wisdom. And this is a great passage to do that. And come before God with whatever dilemma or decision you are facing and really pray through these things and ask for God to um, show uh, just in your own heart, uh, is there selfishness? Is there other things like that? Or to show uh, in your own 
heart? Um, what, how can I be peaceable? How can I, even as I make this decision that I think is best, how can I make sure that I'm doing it in a way that's gentle and uh, just considerate of others, full of mercy and good fruits? These are helpful things for us to think about. So I encourage you to think and pray about those things as you look at James chapter 3 today. Next, we move back to Psalm 119, where today we look at verses 49 through 56. And we're never going to get to wisdom without involving the Word of God. And that's really the theme of Psalm 119, uh, the Word of God, how good it is. And as we look at this section today, I want you to, to see how he mentions both the promises of God and how those comfort him, but he also mentions the rules of God, really the commandments of God, and those also bring comfort to him. Let's look at a couple examples of that in the first two verses, verses 49 and 50. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promises give me life. And what a precious thing for all of us to consider, um, even in affliction, we have the comfort of the promises of God. Well, then consider verse 52. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. So he takes comfort in his promises. He also takes comfort in his rules. And then later in verse 54, he says, your statutes, kind of another way to say your rules, your commandments, your ways, have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. So how is that? Because I think many of us, we would think, oh yeah, God's promises. Oh, what a comfort to me. And then we would think God's rules, ooh, that's tough. Well, I want us just to rewind a few days in our minds to Hebrews chapter 13. And one thing we noticed there was as he goes through kind of this rapid fire list, really, of commandments, of rules, of practical applications of God's word, many of them are linked to promises. Hey, don't be greedy. Don't covet because hasn't God promised you, I will never leave you or forsake you? Or consider one of the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and mother. And Ephesians 6 reminds us that this is the first commandment with a promise, specifically stated. I don't think it's saying there's no promise connected to the other commandments, but specifically in the Ten Commandments, there is a promise that it may go well with you. And so that's where I want us to see a connection here between the rules of God and the promises of God. Not that it's some situation where by keeping the rules, we obtain the promises or something of works righteousness, but even just that God's commandments, his rules are good. They are intrinsically linked to his promises and his rules are ultimately what is best for us. So we can take comfort because that's where even as we connect this back to what is wisdom, sometimes it's going to be hard to tell because it's going to be maybe an issue that isn't always just an ethical thing. It's a business decision or a family decision, and it's not ultimately between right or wrong. And you can take a lot of comfort in the rules of God as you make such a decision saying, hey, I just want to make sure I'm making a decision that's not sinful. And really, if, if we've prayerfully ruled that out, we can take comfort that whatever we choose, God's really going to be in it and God is going to 
help us uh, because we are seeking to follow his rules. So let's see that connection also between uh, this concept and what we saw in James chapter 3. Next, let's move on to Jeremiah 21 and 22. And this begins just with a shocking statement. In the beginning of this chapter, the king sends these people to Jeremiah, asking him, uh, you know, to, to tell them what's going to happen in this war with Nebuchadnezzar and saying, hey, maybe God, maybe God will come through. But notice this guy, Pasher, who's mentioned there, he's already been mentioned really as someone that is a, a false leader, someone that is seeking to persecute Jeremiah. But now he is coming and leading this delegation, trying to see if Jeremiah might say something good and positive about them. And look, these are some of the most shocking words in the whole Bible. In Jeremiah 21, verse 3, it says, Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that is in, that are in your hands, and with which you are fighting against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans who are besieging you outside the walls. And I will bring them together in the midst of this city. I myself will fight against you with outstretched hand and strong arm in anger and in fury and in great wrath. Wow. God says he is going to turn back the weapons against them and he is going to fight with the Babylonians, with the Chaldeans, against the people of Jerusalem. That's a shocking statement. But also, we should see these people who were clearly hypocrites, who clearly ignored what God had said. Now, when they want to come and get God's help, God says no. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 1, where it talks about the fool who ignores wisdom. And then on the day of calamity, it says God's going to laugh at them and they're going to seek help, but they're not going to find it. And I think this is an example of that. And really, it's a warning against hypocrisy in, I think it should be, in our lives. If we just want to blatantly disregard God's word and then when things get tough, we'll run to him and ask for help, that is not a biblical strategy. That is hypocrisy and one of the strongest things that God speaks against in all of the Bible. Let's wrap up with John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. This is a very familiar story, but it's where Jesus offers uh, living water to this woman. And I just want us to make a quick connection between what we saw at the beginning of Jeremiah, where he describes their sin as forsaking him, the fountain of living waters for broken cisterns that can hold no water. And let's just be reminded of both the wonder of the offer Jesus makes to this woman and the offer that's really extended to all of us through the gospel, that in Christ we can have a spring of life within our souls, and what a wonderful promise that is. But let us also take heed of the caution that if we ignore that, if we just totally neglect the word of God, judgment will come, just like it came to Jerusalem, to the people that ignored that fountain of living waters. So maybe we know, hey, what is wisdom? Well, we've got some help for that, but also ultimately wisdom is going to be looking to Jesus for satisfaction, looking to Jesus for living water, and knowing that nothing in the world can satisfy. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.